Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com you're the mom the maid the keeper of the cookies you do it all and you look good doing it it's parenthood on a mother level here's your host denise hanitka Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to a brand new episode of On a Mother Level. This is episode 96, and my friend Jillian Mayen is back today. She is going to share a very important message from the two of us, and that is working moms are not okay. We're not okay. This year, the past two years, is taking a toll, and especially for Jillian, she is pregnant right now, and she is about 12 weeks away from having her baby boy. She already has a daughter at home and she has been through it. And so she's going to talk about it. She's going to share her fight with morning sickness that lasted way longer than the first trimester. Why she does not want to hear anyone offer her a saltine or ginger ale ever again. And what you need to know about a friend who you might need to help support get through a time like this. This is a fun conversation, and I think it's a really honest conversation about what it means to be a working mom right now and how you balance things with your employer, how you balance them with your husband or your partner. And so we just kind of commiserate about everything that is life and working and parenting in the year 2021. So I'm going to get to Jillian in just a minute, but I want to share a quick story because my Everett, who is two and a half, Went to the pumpkin patch for the very first time. Maybe not first time, but whatever. Um, but he went on like a little class field trip. That was the first time experience. And I have this thing where my kids tend to pick weird pumpkins at pumpkin patches. I'm waiting to see if Abram, for the third or fourth year in a row, picks a green pumpkin. That's been his completely unprompted desire is to have a green pumpkin. So I'm trying not to put the idea in his head. I just want to see if it happens this year when he goes to the pumpkin patch with his class. So Everett went to the pumpkin patch. And (laughs) when I got home um, from work to talk to him about it, I noticed a very sad looking piece of produce on my counter. And I immediately said, what is this? And my husband looked at me like, Shh, don't, like, do not say anything bad about the pumpkin. Well, apparently 
Everett's teachers and some of the adult chaperones on the trip were trying to discourage him from picking this pumpkin because, number one, it's just a little, a little pumpkin, probably about the size of a softball. And um, it has no stem and not like no stem as in it got like broken off, but like no stem probably because it's like already rotted off. And um, there were little finger marks like holes in the side of the pumpkin because bottom line is this pumpkin is like two days away from being completely rotten. But he apparently insisted that he wanted the small squishy pumpkin with no stem. These are the things that qualified a good pumpkin to him. So even when I got home from work yesterday, he's like, that's the pumpkin I picked, mama. That's my pumpkin. I'm like, yeah, that absolutely is your pumpkin. But I mean, I don't, I can't even put it outside because like an animal will immediately eat it because it's like the right, it's ripe. It's ready to roll. It's, it's soft. This pumpkin is soft. I mean, this thing is going to like eventually burst if I put it on my mantle or something. It's just, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's just so happy with it. So <laughs> for some reason, my kids pick weird pumpkins. Like they don't go and like get the biggest one or the roundest one or the orangest one. Like one picks rotten ones and the other one picks ones that aren't even orange yet. So I don't know. Don't you love when your kids are delightfully weird? I sort of do. I sort of just secretly, I'm just like, you be weird. Like, I hope you're weird forever. Like, that's awesome. I just, I just love that they are just free to completely be themselves and go with the flow and do whatever their little hearts desire. So anyway, that's my Everett story for today. Tonight, I am going to an event for Gilda's Club and Tammy Pascatelli is going to be there. And if you recall, I interviewed her on this podcast a couple of months ago and she was great. So if you didn't listen to that episode, go back a couple and find that one. But I'm really excited because I'm going to meet her in person. She is going to perform at the Skillless Club event and I have a really cool dress that I'm wearing for it. So I will update you on how that event goes in our next episode. But for now, working moms are not okay. Here is my interview with Jillian Mann. First of all, Jillian, what a delight to have you back. Thanks for having me back. Happy one year Quad city anniversary. Yes, that's right. Well, it's been one year since we moved here, which is hard to believe because it feels both like forever and it also feels like where has the last year gone? Yeah. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> well, in the last year, you have moved to the Quad Cities Worked on the morning show, worked on the evening show, mm-hmm. got pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have made the most of one year. Yeah, you know, we, um, it's never a dull moment at our house. <laughs> we like to keep things interesting. I always say that more chaos is more better. Uh, and really, we fully embraced that. Uh, the pregnancy was not part of the plan, but hey, here we are. I am an adult and I know how it happens, so I blame myself. No, I'm glad we can skip over that part. (laughs) Very glad about that. Um, But honestly, though, so you're having a baby boy. Yes. Which is very exciting because you have a daughter right now who is two and a half. She just turned two, actually. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Duh, we just talked about that because, okay, 
We found out that our children have the same birthday. I know! This is so weird. Like, how have we known each other for a year and never put two and two together that they have literally the same birthday? It really, it's so bizarre. Okay, so Nora was born on September 17th. Mm-hmm. 2019. 19. And Abram was September 17th, 2016. Which always, I have to slow and process because Abram is 9, 17, 16. Oh, yeah. Because I keep wanting to be like 16, 15, 45. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I always want to do 9, 19, 19 for Nora. And so I always mess it up. And it's like, no, wait, go back two days. It's fine. So... It's, I, I feel ya. It's one of those things you can't remember your own kids' birthdays. I don't think that makes me a bad mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but you're really on a very similar timeline because when I, when it, when Abe turned two, I was pregnant with Everett and he was due in January. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's the exact same timeline. Yeah. Because Nora's, or Nora, uh, new baby is due January 1st. Yeah. So, um, and I have said multiple times, he will not make it to January 1st. There will be an eviction notice before that. <laughs> so he will be a 2021 baby. No questions asked. I don't, I don't care if I have to run him eight miles in order to get him to come, but it's going to happen. <laughs> Look, we all know you're doing it for tax reasons. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't part of it. <laughs> and the, and the, um, deductible. I mean, we've already met our deductible this year based on the plethora of two-year-old things. So, um, yeah, we've met our deductible. Might as well have it in 2021 and be done with it. (laughs) Are you saying you've been to the doctor a few times this year? Uh, A few times? (laughs) I lost count. Wait, do we counting just the doctor's office or do urgent care, emergency room, all of that count in there? Yeah, I think that all counts. And you visited all these places. And most of them in the last month. 30 days. (laughs) It's been rather amazing. And I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things is I'm always like, I feel guilty because it's like, there's nobody that's going to believe me that my kid is is sick again. But it's like, I don't have any options. Like, this is, this is where we're at. But yeah, it's been, it has been a month, man. (laughs) It really has been. It really has been. But based on what I can tell from the Instagram world, everyone's kid is sick every day. All the time. All the time. It's just like a constant plague along toddlers. And when you think about like a working mom or working parents and you have two working parents, you think like so many people do it, right? They, almost everyone does it. The majority of the country does it. But then you're actually in the situation. You're like, but how? How do they actually figure out a way to make this work? I have no idea. That's why I literally posted on Instagram. I'm like, Send me all of your tips because I am I am drowning and I don't know I don't know how to do this. Like how do you figure it out? Working parents are not okay. I for one I'm not I'm I'm unwell. <laughs> I am unwell. I feel overwhelmed and exhausted and I haven't had half of the things that you have dealt with. We sat down to record um an episode a couple of weeks ago because we were going to talk about Basically, like, what no one talks about regarding morning sickness. And pregnancy. Ugh, yeah. I mean, because you really went through the ringer with that. And it was similar to what you went through with Nora, too. Yes. Actually, my um, my grandmother-in-law 
uh, actually just asked me yesterday because she's they're visiting right now because our childcare situation. This is where we're at. Um, so she asked me yesterday. She said, "Do you think that this pregnancy has been easier than your first one?" And I said, "No, uh, definitely not." And I think a lot of moms would probably say that with their second kid, right? Because you have like a toddler or another kid running around, but you throw. I had morning sick with morning sickness with Nora until about. 18 weeks. And when I say morning sickness, I mean like I am taking Zofran every day or, and Zofran is an anti-nausea drug. Like the one that the doctors like really don't want to give you, they want to give you like six others before that one and nothing else worked. So they gave me Zofran and I was taking that at least once a day with Nora. Um, with this kiddo, I have been t- I was taking at least one a day, usually two or three a day, just to function, just to hold down food, hold down liquid, and make it through my day. And then even with that, there were some days where I could not physically get out of bed. I could stumble to get Nora to daycare, um, but then I immediately went back to bed and was just, I didn't eat, like I couldn't do anything. And it was awful. And that was until about, this one was about 20 weeks, maybe a little bit past that. And then I started to like be able to skip a day or so (laughs) taking anti-nausea medications. Um, but even now, like I have, I had, I've had such bad heartburn with this one. And like, we laugh, right? Because it's like, of course you get heartburn with pregnancy. Like, like what's tiki take yeah, a Tums. Exactly. And like, you know, moms joke, they're like, oh, I like live on Tums. But the reality is that like now I have to be on a prescription to control the heartburn because if I'm not, then I'm vomiting because I have such bad like heartburn. And I've tried all of the like foods, like you eliminate spicy, tomato sauce, garlic, peppers, like all of the things that you would think of. And it just doesn't work. So you just never know what's going to cause the issue. Um, and I've talked to, I think one of the coolest things, if there's a good part that comes from this, is that I have been posting about it a lot. And the number of moms who have come out and said like, oh my God, me too. I I was sick my whole pregnancy. Like I had to do X, Y, or Z, or I couldn't eat anything other than Cheerios for my entire pregnancy. And it was just amazing to see that we all do this, you know? Some moms have no nausea and then that's fine, but there are so many who have such bad heartburn that they have to be medicated, such bad nausea they have to be medicated. Um, and they're still functioning humans, going to work, doing their full-time jobs, taking care of their kids at home, like making their households run all while, you know, dealing with this debilitating illness. And it's not just like a, ah, okay, I'm done for the day. Like, all day well first of all i want to take a moment to process the concept of 20 weeks okay like imagine the concept of puking every day for 20 weeks and i guess like technically it's 16 weeks like if we want to like play the pregnancy period stupid math okay I, i i was one of those people who did not have any of that and so the idea for me of being sick for four months straight every morning and i mean the stuff you would say about like nora being like mommy are you okay as you're like leaned over the toilet puking like there's just nothing that prepares you for that i think of Like, I would be running around to get her breakfast ready, right? Um, And as any mom who has been through, you know, morning sickness or even just 
general pregnancy, like sometimes foods are just like smells and stuff. You look at like, I, I would look at an egg and I'd be like, oh God, <laughs> this is horrible. Um, and I, yeah, I would immediately like put her plate down, run to the bathroom and she could hear me in the bathroom and she would be calling from the dining room from her high chair saying, mommy, okay, mommy, okay. Mommy okay? And in between hurls, I'm trying to be like, Mommy's okay, Mommy's okay. Or even times when she wasn't in the high chair and she'd come into the bathroom and just like put her little hand on my back. And, you know, as a mom, you're just trying to reassure them that like, I'm okay, like this is okay. But at the same time, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just heartbreaking. Like you don't want your toddler who has no idea what's going on to try and process this and you're sitting there like in your most vulnerable trying to process it and also try to comfort them. It's just, or even the guilt. Oh my gosh. The guilt of on weekends, for example, when, uh, I mean, I'm very lucky that I have such a supportive husband, but like, you know, there were mornings where he just, he had to take her because mornings or weekends were my time to actually recover. Um, But not being able to like, do the things that I want to do with my daughter because I'm so sick or go to the park because it's like, I might be bent over a bush. And then it's not like, okay, we just retch and it's done. It's like, no, then I have to like sit down and like finish shaking and sweating for a few minutes. Um, And I don't know. It's just, I felt so much guilt for not being able to be the mom that I knew I could and the mom that I wanted to be. Um, I just felt like I was missing out on that part of my kid's childhood because I was, you know, of my own illness and not for a lack of trying, just, or not being able to make dinners, not being able to make lunches, like those kinds of things. Well, it's a very mom thing to like feel guilty about something like that because like, let's face it, like no man would feel guilty that they're throwing up. They'd be like, hello, I have thrown up. (laughs) (laughs) Please pay attention to me. I have thrown up. Everyone, I have puked. Yeah. And instead, it's just like, nope, nope. And and I think that's the the stigma that bothers me so much with morning sickness is it's like, oh, but like you're growing a human. And it's like, yes, I haven't lost sight of like how amazing this is and how grateful. But it's also okay for me to sit here and say, but I feel like death 99% of the time. And then I have to run from my desk to the bathroom, get sick in a public bathroom, which by the way is not fun ever (laughs) run back to my desk. Or sometimes, I mean, in our jobs, just sitting at sitting on the anchor desk and texting my producer to say, by the way, if I have to get up in the middle of this segment, like this is why. Mm -hmm. Um, And and, yeah, it would just never be expected. Like no one expects that from anybody else, but it's fine for pregnant women. Yep. Totally yeah. fine. Well, and it's also fine for people to tell you to just eat a saltine. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's like my trigger words now. <laughs> saltine. Oh, have my... you tried crackers? Have you tried saltines and ginger ale? <laughs> that always made me feel better. It's oh, like, God. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried a whole lot of things. <laughs> and that's the funny part, too, is that even my OB, like, when I had this with Nora, I had, so I've had two different OBs. And both have said the same thing, which is, it doesn't matter at all what you eat. Whatever sounds good to you, just eat it. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now that a turkey sandwich from Jimmy John's sounds like a winner to me. And they're like, fine, do it. And it's like, how can you tell me to eat turkey? Like, this is blasphemy. I'm going to get listeria and kill the child and kill myself. And it's going to be awful. It's like, 
No, like whatever your body is telling you you need to eat or sounds good, just do it. So every week was a different, as you knew, because I was like, this week I'm feeling pizza. <laughs> and it's like, I ate that for every meal, every day. And so when we went to lunch, it was like, nope, nope, I'm feeling tacos this week. So that's what's going to work. Um, so yeah, and it, it every week was a different food that I could stomach. And it was just like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. Because that's the only way I'm going to get any calories in my body or any kind of liquids. And it's just, that's what you have to do. I also like that in the very beginning of your pregnancy, you were like, look, this is not going to be some 12 week secret. Like I'm pregnant one and all. And like, I'm not going to follow some bizarre societal norms that tell me that I am not allowed to speak of this. Yeah. Talk to me about like your thought process there. Um, well, I'm a very, obviously I work in news. Like I'm a, I'm very open about my personal life and anybody who follows my Instagram knows I'm going to be very honest about it. But, um, my thought, and we did this kind of with Nora as well was, you know, we, we did make it to the 12 week mark, but I told my closest friends, um, and my family about it because my thought was God forbid something happens which I know how common it is. I know what the statistics are. In fact, I have family members and friends who have been through, oh my gosh, incredible infertility struggles and watched that heartbreak over and over and over again. And my thought was that I, I want the support. I don't want this to be some secret where people are like, well, why is Jillian out of work for a week? What is she doing? Is she taking another vacation? Or just being able to call a, like my best friend and just cry if something happened and say, I am sad. Like, I need support. So that was our my original thought was just, I, I want to have the support if the worst were to happen. Um, and then with this kid, it was like that very much again, but then also, I hate that we all have to, when we're pregnant, we have to live in this secrecy, right? And like some people love it. I have a friend who loves that it's like her secret with her husband. Um, and that to me just wasn't like, that secret didn't matter as much as being able to share the reality of like what you're going through, especially if. You have a miserable pregnancy, especially if you're sick all the time or, you know, you're exhausted because everyone after like the first trimester talks about, oh, there's nothing like the pregnancy exhaustion, but it's like, there's something about living it and then talking about it afterwards, because let's be honest, most of us go on to have second kids. We forget about it. Of course. (laughs) Um, So I just, I wanted to be able to almost in a way like document and in a diary type way, be able to say, this is what's happening right now. These are what the bad days are like. When I physically can't get off the couch, I physically can't eat anything. I have been crouched over a toilet all day or whatever it may be. This is, this is the reality of it. And it shouldn't be downplayed just because you know, there's this societal pressure to like not say anything. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, and I do understand and I respect people who want to keep that secret. I a hundred percent do, as I said, I've, I've seen people go through it. And so I understand, but for me, it was like, if I can just, if there's any mom out there that I can connect with and she doesn't even have to tell me, but like, just so that you feel less alone when you're going through it, because to me, it's just the loneliest spot when you feel miserable and guilty and then you feel guilty about like well but I should be so excited about this baby but right now all I want to do is sleep and 
you know, eat toast. <laughs> well, and going off of what you said before, I'm sure, because this is how I would be, in the back of your head, you're also going like, people are waiting for me to just get better now. Yeah. You know, like where you start feeling like, do people even believe me anymore? Do I need somebody to believe me about this? Like, like my sympathy clock of this baby is making me ill is running out. Like, that's what my yes. internal brain does to me is it, it, it tells me that everyone's doubting me all the time. Yes. And, and I still feel that way of like... People ask me all the time, like, how are you feeling? And I'm really honest about it because it's like, and, and a lot of times I do think that I'm like, people are going to be like, oh, she's just like, just toughen up. Like every, almost every woman goes through this, like just toughen up. And it's like, I am happy to be tough and I feel like I'm pretty tough, but this is, I mean, nine months is a really long time. As you said, 20 weeks is a really long time to feel just like garbage and I don't know it's just I I hate that stigma of just well you know everybody goes through this just toughen up just toughen mm -hmm. up because it's not just toughen up it's okay I yes I have to toughen up but then I'll do all of the things that I've always had to do on top of feeling like my entire body is just killing me and hates me. <laughs> right, right. In general, do you feel like, and I'm not asking you to like bash our employer here, but in general, do you feel like you were like taken care of and supported? I do. Through work? Because I just imagine there are a lot of women who just don't have the level of flexibility that, that sometimes we are afforded. Yeah, I think um, I am very grateful that we have an understanding employer here. Um, and in fairness, that was also part of my reason of being very open very early. I think I told our boss that I think it was seven or eight weeks, which was great because I had literally just started <laughs> my new position and just signed my new contract. Um, but I did the same thing with my, my job when I was pregnant with Nora. Um, and I told, and fortunately it was all, the management was all women. They all had kids. They all, they got it. Um, but the reason I said it was like, I am really physically ill. So if there are days, like I'm going to try and work from home as long as I can, just so that I can be sick in my own toilet and have access to my refrigerator where, yeah, if a ginger ale sounds good, I can eat it. I can drink a ginger ale. If a Gatorade sounds good, I can have a Gatorade. If I need to eat nothing but banana smoothies and peanut butter toast, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then come in and anchor the shows or, um, if I just can't get out of bed, like, I just need you to understand that this isn't like just some BS thing. Like I, I just have a severe, you know, issue with early pregnancy. So, well, half of pregnancy. <laughs> so just as you started feeling better, that wouldn't be the end of it. <laughs> that would no. not be the end of it. And I feel like, I feel like this is going to be the relatable part of the conversation for a lot of people because like, it just has kept coming for you. Yeah, it's been endless. Um, and Grant, my husband, and I, we joke all the time, of like, how much more? Like, how how much more can we really take on? Like, we just keep bailing out the boat. Um, but yeah, I so I was sick until about 20 weeks, which we went on our family vacation at that point. Um, we went to the beach with Grant's family. Um, and my daughter started to get um, like a stomach bug, like a GI thing, like, not to get too graphic, we ended up with, like, really bad diaper rash, which we had driven to the beach, and it was a 12-hour drive. So imagine having 
a toddler with like severe, severe diaper rash and those kinds of GI issues going on for the drive back from the beach. Um, but we'd been down this road before. She'd had something similar when she was young. And so we were like, and I have a very good friend who's um, actually a pediatric gastroenterologist. And so I fortunately have her on speed dial. And I'm like, when do we worry about this? And she's like, well, you know, they got to just, these viruses have to make their way out. It could be two weeks. So we just kind of sat on it and it was, you know, it wasn't great, but like, you know, we cut out dairy. Um, we did all the things that the doctors told sure. us to do. After, after two weeks, actually we were on two and a half weeks, we, she started crying in the middle of the night and we usually let her cry a little bit to go back to sleep. Went in there, Grant went in to kind of, after a while to pick her up and like rock her back to sleep. And then all of a sudden I heard on the monitor, oh God, okay, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, it's okay, it's okay. And so naturally that to mom is just like, oh no, something bad is happening. And so I go in there and he is covered in vomit. Like he had it in his mouth, on his face. Like it was like a projectile vomit all over him. And then I looked in her crib and it was, her crib was bad. Like it was not a great situation. So we were like, okay, so this has progressed. Like we're in our stomach bug. This is fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was not fine. <laughs> well, I took her, got her in the bath, got her cleaned up. He got himself cleaned up, got all the, the sheets and towels and all of that. And then she got sick again on me. Um, so then we traded off again and I'm cleaning myself up. Um, we ended up being up with her all night and she was just, it was just projectile. It was awful all night. Um, so I was like, okay, I know I have to call in and like take off of work. And, um, she got sick a few more times, but it calmed down. She was holding down some liquids, um, but not really sleeping that well. And it, it was just like something was off. We were going to keep her home anyway from daycare. Um, and then it was Thursday. She really like turned, turned, made a turn for the worse. And, um, she was really lethargic. She was laying on the couch, not really moving. Um, she still, anytime she tried to eat anything, she would like throw it back up. Um, and we had taken her to the doctor too. We had taken her for the other GI issues and they were like, well, it's just a virus. It needs to like make its way out. She never had a fever. And so ultimately Thursday afternoon, I was supposed to work that day and Grant was work, trying to work from home. We were trying to do like a split shift. And I was like, I think she needs to go to the ER. And she just, she wasn't holding anything down and she was super lethargic. She just kept falling asleep, like sitting up. And it's terrifying as a parent when you suddenly see that, that transition. Yeah. Especially in like a very bubbly active toddler. Yeah. And, um... So we were like, okay, we're just going to take her. And we took her in and we were, and we were honestly scared to take her to the emergency room too. Cause we were like, well, like with all the COVID stuff, like what is happening? We were putting it off, putting it off. And we we're just like, okay, we'll go. Went to the ER and, um, yeah, it was, she was eventually admitted to the hospital. She was severely dehydrated. Um, it ended up being, we don't know what it was. It was just kind of some stomach bug, but like it really hit her hard, um, but yeah, nothing will prepare you for that first like severe illness. And, um, it was awful. Like we, I slept in a crib with her in the hospital room in the pediatric unit. She got the last pediatric bed because all of them were taken at the hospital with, um, 
RSV and COVID and like all kinds of other things. So they were going to send us to Iowa City. Um, fortunately, we got to stay. But yeah, she was in the hospital for she was admitted for two days, um, and they had to give her a catheter. Which oh my god, when you told me this story, yeah, it was. Um, I just I I don't know like, and I had to hold her down. And Grant was helping me while the doctors did it. And, like, there's just, I don't, I, like, it's actually part of my nightmares now of, like, listening to your child scream and make noises that they've never made before. And you're just holding them down and trying to reassure them that it's okay. Like, the doctor's going to make them feel better. And it just, to me, like, it's still, it's just part of my nightmares. And so that was, yeah, that was awful. Um, we had to call up Grant's mom to come and help us out because we need someone at home to let our dog out. We need someone to just kind of relieve us. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal. As any parent who's had to go to the ER, had their kid admitted, would, would know. Um, and, then, and then I got sick. And then I got the stomach virus and couldn't go back to the hospital to spend the night with her. Grant stayed home with me because I was throwing up. And I was a hysterical mess because my baby's in the hospital and sick and hooked up to all these IVs and like getting checked every hour and I couldn't be there. And uh, my mother-in-law, God bless her, went and stayed with her at the hospital and slept in the crib with her and um, yeah, and was there for her when we couldn't be. But oh my gosh, that was like the mental break for me of not being not physically being able to be there for her when she needed me you know we can only speak to our own experiences you know and I know there might be a mom listening out there who's like well your kid didn't have any real problems or no 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 no." right but like when when I was in the hospital for one night with Everett when he was like five days old and he was there because he was dehydrated but like my postpartum self could not process that yeah but like all I could like I just could not stop crying because yeah. I'm now in the hospital with an infant and I have just birthed him and everything's going terribly. But then in the back of my mind, I kept saying like, oh my God, there's kids up here for actual reasons. Like, yes. Like, stop it. Well, and it, the reality for me, so this is, um, so my brother-in-law, Grant's brother, um, had a had to have a heart transplant when he was, I think he was 21, 20, um, he got a, a virus. It just, it attacked his heart. Um, so he was in the hospital, I think for four months. I mean, he coded, like they didn't think he was going to make it basically. And then had to go through all of like the transplant stuff. And I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge story that, I mean, I won't even go into all of it, but (laughs) sitting there with my daughter who's dehydrated and, all I can think of is my poor mother-in-law went through this with her own son, her own adult son, sitting there not knowing if he's going to live or die and literally not knowing if he's going to live or die. In fact, they're telling her, telling them that likely he's probably not going to make it. And I'm just like, I, I can't fathom that. And I can't fathom having my... It was hard enough for two days in the hospital. Right. I can't fathom having my kid in the ICU for months and waiting for transplant news or I just... I don't know. 
it was, it was so much. So yeah. And it's like, it wasn't to like lessen my situation and make it seem insignificant because it is, they're all insignificant experiences, but, um, it's just, I don't know. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you were sick. Eventually your mother-in-law got sick. Yeah. She got it. I got it on. My daughter went into the hospital on Thursday. I got it on Friday night and Saturday. My mother-in-law got it on Sunday. Grant somehow survived. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was fun. (laughs) Well, and so logically you would think if we can get through this, like we're going to be smooth sailing from, from here. Yeah. It's like, this is the, this is the end of it. Okay. You know, this is her first big sickness. She really hadn't, she'd had like, whatever, eaten too much and thrown up before or gotten like little sniffles and coughs, but really nothing. So it's like, okay, this is like the first big test. Like we knew it was going to happen. It's fine. We'll get through this. (laughs) And then 10 days later, (laughs) uh, she popped a fever of 104 on a Sunday. And I was like, um, this isn't normal. (laughs) And we're like, okay, so she's not going to be able to go to daycare. But she was acting like, okay. I mean, she was clearly sick. But, like, just a fever, 104. Text our daycare provider and said, hey, like, she's not going to be there. You know, she's popped a fever. And our daycare provider said, oh, I forgot to mention to you that so-and-so is going to be out. Um, And two of the kids were out because they have hand, foot, and mouth. And I was like, hmm, okay, here we go. Sure enough, the sores popped up the next day. And uh, and yeah. hand, foot, and mouth is the most vile of the childhood viruses. It is. I believe. Awful. And I mean, at least with this one, it's like, okay, we know what this is. We're not really that worried about it. It's just obnoxious. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just gross. It's, it's really like just, gross. Like, little feet and they're just little blisters and just. It was all over her mouth. Like, it was just. These little, like, lesions all over her mouth. My, uh, again, we had to call my mother-in-law to come up because she was going to have to be out of daycare all week. And, and bless her. She comes from Kansas. She's driving seven hours to come up and, like, help us out. Um, yeah. And it was just, like, all these little pussy lesions all over her face and her in her hands and her feet. And um, the rash spread to like her stomach and her diaper area. And then the ones in her mouth. So she like would randomly uh, like eat something and then start screaming bloody murder. And uh, yeah. But then in between all of that, she's acting totally fine. It's just like, you know, when the sores bother her, she freaks out. But otherwise, she is full, high-energy toddler running around the house. So it's not even like you can just chill and say, hey, sit and watch this movie because you're sick. It's like, no, let's go to the park. And it's like, you can't go to the park because you're a leper right now. (laughs) You are unwelcome. Yes. (laughs) Now, Jillian, did you get hand, foot, and mouth disease? (laughs) Why, of course, Denise! (laughs) Because what else happens during this pregnancy but me getting ill? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... um, Fun fact, adults can get hand, foot, and mouth even if you have had it before, which was something people kept telling me, like, oh, well, adults don't get it. Adults don't get it. Like, or if they get it, it's super mild. You might get, like, a headache and you'll be fine. No, 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 no. (laughs) You end up with, I had a low fever. I didn't have, like, a super high one, but I had it for two days. I felt like I just had the flu. Like, I was just really tired and just achy. Like, everything hurt. 
And then the sores came. <laughs> and it w- it felt like strep throat. It was just like, and I went to urgent care because I wanted to get swabbed for strep throat um, and obviously COVID. Um, because while all of this is happening, she's been out of daycare for a week. And we found out on Thursday of that week that she had been out, that she had, that my daughter had been exposed to COVID and that I had also been exposed to COVID. So we were both like, okay, so now we got to find tests and now I've got like a low fever and I'm feeling achy and the urgent care people are like, well, now you have to quarantine for two weeks because you're having symptoms and we have to wait until your test results come back. And, um, yeah, so I got hand, foot and mouth. And our whole house had to be tested for COVID. And, um, yeah, then, then the sores showed up for me, um, on my hands and feet. And I have to be honest, like, we kind of thought that Nora was, we were like, come on, toughen up a little bit. Like, they're just some little blisters. It's not that bad. No, I can confirm. It is that bad. Like, you had them, like, on your scalp. Yeah. Like, I had scabs. They're finally gone, I think. It's been, like, over a week. but two weeks. They're finally gone. I had them in my hair. So I was, like, itching my head. And then I'd get, like, scabs. And then I'd have them on my hands first. They started to pop up. And I'm like, well, it's not that bad. And then they were all over my hands. And so I had to take all my, like, my wedding rings off. And I couldn't. Um, like washing my hair really hurt my hands or like cooking, holding a mug, like anything you use your hands for was extraordinarily painful because it felt like my hands were on fire. Um, And then it showed up on my feet and then both my hands and feet were on fire. Um, And it was just, it was awful. It felt like, yeah, like you just had burns all over your hands and feet. Um, Fortunately, my mouth and throat ones went away before the hands and feet ones showed up. But yeah, that was... Oh my God. Yeah. So a warning to all parents, you can get it. Wash I, your hands. And I will never not confuse it for hoof and mouth either. <laughs> so it, oh, it just sounds like the dirtiest virus ever. And you're like, yeah, my kid is the one that's probably like licking subway turnstiles or something. Like, but it's just awful. It was awful and gross. So gross. Yeah. So, basically, it's just felt like one thing after another. Just absolutely never-ending. Yes. Well, and then she got croup after that. (laughs) I'm I'm not joking. She was out of daycare for a week with hand, foot, and mouth. We got the tests. And then she started coughing on Sunday. By Tuesday, she was up all night coughing. And we had to take her back to the doctor's office and be like, can you do another COVID test? (laughs) And tell us what this is. And she had to get steroids. And, um, yeah, it's because she ended up with croup. So, you know, that one, knock on wood, I'm so far okay on. <laughs> so that was our month. That was the month from hell. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, just, it's just emotionally, mentally, physically exhaustion. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot. It's, and... Like balancing it with work, I think, you know, you're dealing with that and it's hard enough to deal with your kid being sick, right? And process. And then you yourself getting sick, having to take care of your kid while you're sick, that kind of thing. But then you throw work on top of it and it's like, how, how how can you do this? We can't, 
my husband has to go to work. He has cases and trials and I need to go to work because I, I need to be doing my job. And unfortunately my job is one where I need to be in the office. You have to physically be here. Yeah. So it was, you know, figuring out how to navigate all of that. Bless my mother-in-law. She's back in town again. (laughs) To help us out yet again. Um, but well, and I'm not going to throw a grant here under the bus and we can take this out if you want. But like you guys have had the conversation that every um, working couple has had, which is, well, why does it always have to be me who stays home? And why does it have to be me who stays home? And how do we decide whose work is more important on that day? Like literally everyone's had this conversation and it's, it's, it's a frustrating conversation to have. Because there's no resolution. There's no, there's no answer to it. And, you know, I think we're, we're lucky in that we both do respect each other's jobs and careers, but it is, it's, it's hard. And I mean, there are days where I'm like, Hey, I have a story that I need to shoot that I've worked really hard to set up. Um, I need you to come home from work early to pick up Nora from daycare or, Hey, like I have to stay late to do X, Y, or Z. Can you take care of like bath bottle, getting her down, like all of that. But then when, yeah, when, when you have one illness after another, it's just like, he has to be in court. I have to be on air. Like, I have stories to shoot. He has, you know, witnesses to meet with and clients to meet with. And how do you figure out who has to cancel what? And and it is, it's incredibly frustrating for both of us because... Both of us feel very passionately about our jobs and we want to, neither one of us wants to dump our workload on our coworkers or um, feel like we're not doing our job as well as we could be. But at the same time, family always has to come first and we have to do what's best for Nora. It's incredibly, I, I don't know another word other than frustrating and just wears you down. And I don't know, I feel like we have a really strong marriage and that we are able to communicate about these things. Um, and while we may explode on each other from time to time, we usually come back and say, I'm sorry. Like I was just frustrated in the moment, but it's, it's definitely tested us to, to really be open about it and say, Hey, like, I feel like right now you're putting your job ahead of mine. And like, we have to be on the same page that both of our careers are really important. We've both worked really hard to get where we are and we both do things that we're really passionate about but we both have people relying on us and we have to find a way to kind of divvy it up. And there's just, sometimes balance doesn't exist. Right. And that's why sometimes I get frustrated with the whole notion of like, well, just give me tips. Like there is no tip. There is no piece of advice. There's no like magical, like way that somebody else is doing it. That's going to like make any of it feel better. No. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like moms are always like, like trying to offer this advice or solution. And I just feel like there is none. And I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but like literally the only solution is like a supportive workplace. Who's not going to give you a hard time when you have to be out because like, like there's just no other way. And I just struggle with that sometimes too, because you just know that there's a certain sector of your workplace that's going like, must be nice. Yeah. Must be nice. You know, when in fact it's not nice. Yeah. The last thing, like I would much rather be at work than having my child sick at home or either they're so sick that they're not moving or they're in the hospital or they're not really that sick, but they just have like 
blisters all over their body <laughs> and like, spreading a contagion. Um, I'm just very grateful that I have a flexible work environment. And I think Grant does too, for the most part. But I do think there's a massive stigma that exists that men aren't going to take that much time off to be the one mm-hmm. to stay at home with their kids. It's right. like expected that moms do and that employers are going to be, if they're understanding, they're more understanding about women saying, hey, I need to stay home because my kid is sick. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think men feel a lot more pressure to be like, I can't because my boss isn't going to be as understanding about it. Or my boss is going to think that like, well, why doesn't your wife just take care of it? Type totally. Thing. And that's the the spiral that I kind of have been going through for the last month is it's like, what is the actual issue here? Because I know that Grant respects my job and, you know, I have a flexible work environment, but it's really, I think that just we have, as a society, we haven't gotten there yet where it's just like, people think the same way about men saying, I need to stay home because my kid is sick today and not I'm going to work from home with my sick kid, but like I'm going to have to take the whole day actually off from work so that I can make my kid lunch, get them, you know, entertained with coloring books or whatever they need to do, take them to the doctor. Um, Whereas with women, it's like, fortunately we have an understanding employer who, yeah, and a lot of women don't, but I think it is, it's more understanding. Um, you raised such a good point, and I didn't think of this because my husband technically doesn't have a boss because he owns his own business. So, like, this is not a factor for him in the traditional sense. But I wonder what life is like for Grant to have to walk into his presumably male boss's office and go, hey, so how many men don't feel comfortable even doing that because they will be looked at as, like, where's your yeah. lazy wife? Right. And, and I genuinely, I, I wonder it all the time. And I see it. I mean, I have three brothers who all have kids now. And I mean, it's not a conversation that I've necessarily had with them, but it's one that I've had with, you know, my friends who have spouses that are in male dominated environments. And, you know, it, it is, it's one of those things where I feel like all, most women will say, yeah, I feel most of the pressure to be the one to stay at home when my kid is sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not excusing by any means dads who, you know, don't shoulder some of that burden. But I, I do think that there's just a stigma within the workplace that, like, well, why why isn't your wife the one taking care of the mm-hmm. kids? Like, the kid is sick. Like, why isn't she the one taking care of them? And I, in fairness, my husband's employer, I don't know at all. I don't think right. they would be that. Right. I think they're pretty understanding. But, um... I just think it's a, it's a stigma that, that exists. Just that little voice in the back of your head that makes you doubt. Just like we doubt, like, you know, we know that there are people in our office who are like, really? Again? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just the internal voice. And especially if you are, and again, I'm, I'm just saying this up just as Grant for an example, he probably grew up when having mom stay home with yeah. him. It wasn't dad staying home with him, you know? And so his internal monologue has always been like, well, when this happens, mom responds, you know? It's just like a a conditioning over the years where it's not malicious and it's not like on purpose. It just is what it is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when you look at most of us now who are in our thirties and forties and most of us had 
parents who probably had one parent stay at home because that was more than norm for like baby boomer generations. My parents are baby boomers. So um, yeah, my mom was the one who stayed home with us. And, you know, it was not expected that my dad was going to take off of work to be home oh with us. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, my mom didn't work anyway, but like when she did, she tried, she, she'll tell me all the time, she had like a part-time job as a substitute teacher and it just, she ended up having to quit because anytime I was sick, she had to be home with me. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, Grant and I ha- are able to kind of balance a little bit better so that I don't have to quit my job in order to be a mom too. But I think, yeah, we're all just kind of conditioned after a generation or two of parents who there was always mom staying home for the most mm-hmm. part. Or mom took care of it. Like, it was just expected that mom took care of it. And now we're starting to climb out of that hole. But it's like, you know, society hasn't quite caught up yet. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a ton of solutions. But I know that an understanding boss makes a difference, which we have. And I'm not just saying that because we're recording in his actual (laughs) office. Um, um, But also having more vacation time and sick time than I've ever had working for any company. Yeah. Honestly, and I and I know that there's I know there are financial reasons for not having like unlimited vacation time, unlimited sick time. But like genuinely, I don't I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the PTO that I have. And I know that I have more here than I've ever had. Totally. Um but like what would what would I do? It's like, okay, don't pay me because I need to stay home with my sick kid or I need to stay home because I'm sick. Like my options are to come in and spread hand, foot and mouth to the entire station or, you know, like I just, those are the, those are the solutions. And honestly, one of the big ones for me is having support of other moms, not know, like knowing that you're not alone. And I, um, you know, social media is a terrible thing in a lot of ways and a wonderful thing in a lot of other ways. And I really love that there's this, I don't know, it, it, feel, it felt like as soon as I became a mom, it was like there was this community that kind of like, yes, there was a lot of people who were, you know, telling me, oh, I can't believe you're, you're giving your baby formula. I can't believe you're doing that. But really as a collective whole, I felt like I found other moms who, you know, I've known my entire life, like other friends or acquaintances who just reach out and just say, hey, mom, I I see you. Like, my kid went through this. It's awful. Try this. Like, helpful tips or just being like, you've got this. Like, you can do this. And it's just sometimes those little, little bits of encouragement that you need to just get through your day or get through the next hour, you know? And, um... I don't know. That's, that was my whole hope with being open about my pregnancy and being open about all of Nora's ailments. Cause I'm sure that there are moms out there like, what is your kid doing? Why do you let your, does your kid not wash her hands enough? Does she like, is the daycare dirty or whatever and doubting my parenting skills. But the reality is, is she's a toddler and we are doing the best that we can to survive and you know, get, have, let her have an awesome childhood in the middle of a freaking pandemic where we can't do a whole lot. And, um, yeah, I think just being supportive of other moms is something that is one of the few ways that we can solve this issue and just being there for one another, because honestly, and I know that's very 
happy-go-lucky, like, be the eternal optimist. But it's really the only thing that's kind of kept us going through a lot of this is just knowing there are people there to support you and to vent to and just kind of hold your hand even virtually. Okay, so I'm going to end then on my supportive mom story. This happened today. Okay, so Everett is on his first class field trip to the pumpkin patch today. Um, And I wish I could bottle up forever the way that he says patch because he like sludges over the TCH, but in like a way, like like he says like pumpkin pass or I don't know. It's just the sweetest thing anyway. So he's been talking about going to the pumpkin pass for like a couple of days. And so I knew that there was a mom who was also going to the pumpkin patch just as like a, you know, mom chaperone, whatever, whatever. And I remember like thinking like, ah, you should ask her to take some photos of Everett, you know, while she's on this trip. And I just forgot. I forgot. And I'm kind of having a rough morning and I was sitting at my desk and I opened up Instagram and her name popped up. And I was like, oh my God, could it be? And she had sent me six photos of Everett. (gasps) She was like, hey, just snapped a few of these for you and I just burst into tears at my desk because like I had forgotten to ask her and there are 20 other two-year-olds on this field trip and she took six photos of Everett going down the slide and picking up a pumpkin and walking around and I just said like oh my god Abby thank you so much for doing this like thank you and she just responded like I know someone else would have taken pictures of my daughter for me Like, that just, like, made my whole day. A mom just, like, having my back at the pumpkin patch and just, like, took pictures of Everett because she knew I would love them. And that's, like, I always, I'm a huge believer that it really does take a village. And, like, I've never realized that more than being a mom, being in the middle of a pandemic, being a working mom, And it's just, it's so true. Like you need support of other, like your community. And, you know, we don't have family here. I mean, we're grateful that my mother-in-law is able to come up as often as she is. But like, I mean, even you saying to me, I don't even remember what ailment Nora had or what was happening, but you said to me, you know, you know, if anything were to happen and you needed to go to the hospital for the baby or something like that, like Nora's always welcome at our house. And it's just like, that is the support that we need. Like that, you need, even if you don't have immediate family nearby, you need friends, neighbors. We have a 70 and 80 year old neighbors who have said, who came over and took care of our dog while we were in the hospital. We don't know them that well other than he gives me his kale from his vegetable garden. But like, you know, we were like, here's the key. Can you please just go let our dog out while we're at the hospital? And they were fine with it. I had our neighbors texting us asking how Nora was doing when she was in the hospital. Let us know if you need anything. You delivered food for us. Like, that is what we need. That is how we survive. Is... By being the village for each other. And I just, I mean, I know that that's sappy and crazy, but it's true. Like, it's the only thing that's getting me through this pregnancy and through all these child ailments. And um, I think it's just going to continue to be that way. And it's okay to ask for help, too, and say, I'm drowning. I need help. Thank you to Jillian. I always appreciate her realness and her honesty. And, um... You can always reach out to her. I will tag her on Instagram, and you can find her on Instagram. Her name is Jillian Mayen. She's a news anchor here at WQAD as well, and you can always find her and touch base with her. 
And um, I'm glad that she's out there adding to the village and letting you all know that you are not alone because this is on a mother level. And when it comes to parenthood, we can relate.